When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to West Indies on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. My name is Marshall St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is Santoki Nagulendran, the other half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies cricket content. And we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app several times every week. So rate, review, like, share, subscribe. You know the drill. And thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. So Santoki, we're nine days into 2023. <laughs> our, our phrase is always, there's never a quiet day in West Indies cricket. But I don't know, Santoki, <laughs> we might have had a few days of quiet <laughs> of quiet um, antics in West Indies cricket. So we thought that we'd gather together, you know, and just kind of round up the start to the year so far and, and what West Indies fans have got to look forward to in the next month or so. So without any further ado, Santoki, take it away. Yeah, Mash, as you said, it, this sort of feels like the calm before the storm. So we better appreciate the, these few weeks of our golden silence. But yeah, as, as you said, Mash, we're just here to summarise sort of what's going on in West Indies cricket for this month and then looking ahead. Um, and I think let's start off, Mash. There's been one player, active player, um, currently West Indian, who's been taking part in a franchise league in the Big Bash League in Australia. Left arm spinner Akil Hussain's played 10 games for the Melbourne Renegades. He's done pretty well there. He's taken 13 wickets. As we expect from Akil, been very economical. And Mash, I know he's sort of someone who, if you're outside the region, he's only come into your radar probably in the last year or so. But he's... Approaching 30 years old, he's been a stalwart in the regional scene. So it feels like he's finally got his opportunity to start in bigger, in bigger stages. And inevitably, after these performances in the Big Bash League, he's got a deal with the Molten Sultans in the Pakistan Super League. And even bigger with the Sunrisers Hyderabad, he's going to be linking up with Brian Lara for his maiden IPL stint. Now, Mash, as ever with West Indies cricket, this links to the inevitable question. Akil Hussain is someone, you know, he took part in a few regional games with Trinidad and Tobago earlier this year. He was actually called up as a net bowler for um, West Indies Test Series, home Test Series earlier this year. Talked up as someone who should maybe get a chance to play Test cricket. With the sort of onslaught of franchise deals he'll be getting for the next few years, because once you get an IPL deal, even if you do, if that doesn't get renewed, you end up getting deals in other smaller franchise leagues to keep you going for the year. Is this the end for Akil Hussain's hopes of uh, playing Test cricket? If you're a West Indian fan, listen, Santoki. The the more things change, the more things stay the same, you know. And we, for those for those people listening who are like fans of West Indies on ninety nine point nine four, or if you've listened to some of our work on Caribbean cricket podcasts, I am not exaggerating when I say that literally. I think about a year to a year and a half ago, Santoki and I recorded an episode where we said that Akil Hussain is going to get the big bag. And I think we would have intimated at the time that if Akil ended up getting the big bag, we could pretty much say goodbye to the chances of Akil Hussain playing playing Red Bull 
uh, or test cricket for the West Indies. And the joke is, Santoki, when you look at Akil Hussain's number, and maybe this is where we have to kind of look at West Indies selectors in fairness and not just blame franchise cricket. Um, when you look at Akil Hussain's numbers in domestic cricket, <laughs> much like a, someone like a Brandon King, you would have thought that at some point in time he was naturally veering towards ending up with a with a spot on the West Indies test side. Yet now, if you say to me on the 9th of January 2023 that do I think Akil Hussain will ever play for West Indies in Red Bull cricket? No chance. No way. Because the only way that would ever happen is our selectors would have to be bold, they would have to think outside the box, and they would have to accept that the current global market when it comes to cricket and particularly for West Indian players means we can't afford to judge people by what they do now in domestic cricket in, in Red Bull and say come back and play some some seat, uh, play a full season of Red Bull it's just not happening it's not happening and I am now starting to get very worried Santoki I know we hardly play any test matches in the next cycle anyway but I'm starting to get very worried Santoki that our pool our selection pool is getting smaller and smaller with regards to, and hear me out here, the top quality players we can select. We're we're starting to slowly inch towards um, a scenario where we can only pick players for tests based on who's left. That sounds really kind of fatalistic and dramatic, but but do you get where I'm coming from, Santoki? Because... Two years ago, you and I were saying, oh, we should pick Nicholas Puran and Evan Lewis. Two years later, you and I have given that up now. <laughs> we, know, <laughs> we know that's not going to happen. So now I'm looking at the next lot where I'm like, boy, we should pick Akil Hussain and Brandon King. And I started to think that's never going to happen as well, Satoki. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think we don't have the luxury in, in the West Indies of having a massive population and, and players to pick from. So it sort of feels like we're shooting ourselves in the foot by increasing the margins in terms of selection. So we've got a small pool and now we've narrowed that down based on criteria in terms of policy for selection. Akil Hussain is an interesting one because West Indians, as we know throughout history, have always been reluctant to pick specialist spinners in their test side. Um, and Akil Hussain sort of been a victim of that. But he has a, he scored a century in first-class cricket for Trinidad. So he can back. We've seen it in the T20 format as well. So it does, it does beg the question of why he hasn't ever been given the opportunity. He's played first-class cricket over 20 games. he's Essentially, he can work as an all-rounder because we can, he can bat and he can spin. But you feel now West Indies have sort of left it too late. He's probably not going to choose to play Test cricket. If you're getting multiple deals and earning millions a year, you're not going to go back and commit to playing Test cricket when you've, he was sort of sitting dormantly for the past five, six years as someone who was there to be picked and we missed the opportunity. And I feel once again, that sort of, that sort of looks bad on the administration and selectors for not sort of taking that risk and gamble and putting him into the side. I feel like, as you said, he's he's another lost player. We can add that to the list of Evan Lewis and, and poor and the, the Trinidadians. But Mash, there's also there's also a Jamaican. You mentioned him briefly there earlier. Brandon King. Now, Brandon King, someone who, you know, three years ago, we would have said it was inevitable he'd be playing test cricket. He had an excellent first class season for, for Jamaica in 2019, 2018, that period. However, things, I mean, for his benefit, he had a good CPL. But his career sort of went off in a tangent and he sort of became a white ball player. And we're seeing now, similar to Akira saying he's getting deals, he's got a deal in the upcoming UAE T20 League and he plays for West Indies white ball ODIs and T20 cricket. Now, this has essentially meant his, his Red Bull career, his Red Bull career has been put on a back burner. 
he does play sporadically for Jamaica, but he's 28 years old, Mash. Do you feel like with Brandon King, we're sort of in the territory of him being a lost opportunity, missing out on him? Do you know what I'm going to say, Santoki? Okay, it is, it's your regular, it's your regular <laughs> Masha reckless comment coming up right here. Do you know what I'm going to say, Santoki? Cricket West Indies might need to sack Desmond Haynes and Roland Butch, you know, and they might need, they might. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> no, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. They might need to bring us in, you know. They might, they might actually need to bring us in because one or two, one or two things have to change here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Roland Butcher ain't even, man's been in the job for about a week now. <laughs> 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 what something has to change here, and um, if if Roland or Desmond or Johnny Grave or Jimmy Adams, Ricky Skerritt, anybody who's involved in like the kind of key stakeholders in West Indies cricket, if you're listening to this particular episode, or if someone's listening to this and they share it with them, please, I beg of you, rip up whatever kind of um, selection processes you go by. I beg we just rip it all up now. We just have to rip it up. And we just now need to accept, Santoki, that whoever is good enough in whatever... And and Desmond, the thing is, Desmond Haynes has spoken about this. If you can play cricket, you can play cricket. It doesn't matter the format you're in. So my thing would be to both Roland Butcher and Desmond Haynes, what does your eye test say? What does your eye test say? Do you look at a classy player like Brandon King with... Let's talk about Desmond Haynes particularly. Desmond Haynes has got a great... Uh, former test match career. He's seen as one of the greats West Indies cricket. Cool. You can't tell me, Santoki, that Desmond Haynes' eye test doesn't look at Brandon King and go, that guy's good in the kind of modern context of West Indian batters. Now, if, if assuming Desmond Haynes looks at Brandon King and goes, mm, that guy's got the shots. He's a classy batter. What is stopping him calling Brandon to the test side? And I need you to answer it for me, Santoki. I need someone to explain to me what's stopping him calling Brandon up to the test squad. Because Desmond's not stupid. He can't look at our domestic system and say, well, boy, he ain't played no red ball cricket in three years. That's not Brandon King's fault. So Santoki, please explain it to me. How do we bridge the... If if you're saying that we can't be the selectors, how else are we going to bridge the gap so that someone like a Brandon King gets a call-up? And this is a difference here, Santoki. I think Brandon King wants a call-up. I actually think he wants to play some test cricket. So how are we going to make it happen, Santoki? Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of times, as we've said, because test cricket, it's almost seen as taboo to speak against test cricket. A lot of players will give it lip service and say they want to play test career, but test cricket. But Brandon King has actively, proactively pursued a Red Bull career. It's just in the last two, three years, he's had to go off in a white ball sort of tangent. And he's played over 30 first-class games. As you said, aesthetically, he's a very, very good batsman. So he passes the eye test. And I just think with West Indies cricket, Brandon King wouldn't be a gamble. I know with Nicholas Poran, he's played, what, five or six first-class games. So there's an argument there. You're taking a big gamble, and it's sort of a disservice to those who play in the regional game. Brandon King's done his time in in the regional game. He's played over 30 games, which is substantial in the region to play over 30 games. It means you have to be playing for a good four or five years. He's performed well when needed. Obviously, his average is 35 in regional cricket, which by current standards... He's averaging 57, Santoki. Come on, man. By current (laughs) standards, that means you make the team. And Mash, it it sort of harks back to... I know when we first started the Caribbean Cricket Podcast in 2019, 2020, we were calling for Tejno and Chandapur, similarly, based on the eye test, 
to sort of get into the test side because what do you have to lose? And obviously it's early days, but he succeeded at the top level in Australia so far and it's proven to be a good decision. So I think Brandon King is in that same vein. So whereas obviously I feel you could say we're being optimistic by saying Evan Lewis and Nicholas Poulin should be in the in the test side given an opportunity. I think when Brandon King, it is... <laughs> It's almost it's almost disrespectful that he hasn't been called up to the test side at this point, just because of his his career, his his sort of how he plays, his style, his intent. He's he's obviously wanted to play Red Bull cricket for most of his career. I just feel we've massively shot ourselves in the foot with Brandon King, and I do feel if he doesn't get picked, I know you've spoken about this on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast channels. If he doesn't get picked for the Zimbabwe tour, I very much doubt we'll see Brandon King in Test match colours for West Indies. Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. And do you know what, Santoki? That's a really good um, segue. So let's take a quick break. And then after the break, let's look at that uh, Zimbabwe tour in a bit more detail. I'm Jared Kimber, and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, I look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM app. So, Santoki, before the break, we spoke about two players in particular, Akil Hussain uh, and Brandon King. And we, we should just point out for those uh, obviously watching, listening, etc., and whatever platform you're watching and listening on, that, of course, there are a myriad of players playing in a myriad. It's got to a point, Santoki, where I don't even know who's playing in what anymore. There's the International T20 League. There's an SA20 League. There's a Nepal League. Santoki, I've got no idea. I literally, There's a Bangladesh Premier League. I actually don't know, Santoki, which West Indians are where at this particular at this particular point in time. It's too confusing. But the reason why, why we called Hussain and King is because those are two players on the franchise circuit who I, we would argue we should, as you said, it's not a gamble, who we should try to get involved in, in Test cricket before it's too late. But that notwithstanding, Santoki, um, in a couple of weeks, the, the test squad get together and have to travel to Zimbabwe for a, a two-match uh, two test series. Now, based on some of the socials, I already know that Jason Holder is going. Uh, Carl Mayers is definitely going. Um, and if people are listening to this thinking, how do you know? Well, a lot of it you can tell by just, just go and follow certain socials and you'll work it out. But also the Barbados trials for the four-day championships and Toki are ongoing and certain names aren't included. Like Shamar Brooks's name isn't included in the trials, which tends to tell you Santoki that if he's not in the, if he's not in the trial squads for the four day championship, Barbados must already have been told that Shamar Brooks is same, similar for Austin Chase. They must already have been told, listen, those guys are going to get selected to go to Zimbabwe. So I guess the question I'm asking you Santoki is this, do you think, I had always said that, ah, oh, surely we'll use the Zimbabwe tour as a chance to blood some, some new guys because it don't count for anything in terms of World Test Championship. It don't look like that's going to happen, Santoki. It looks like we're actually going to go there with our full, our full strength side and maybe treat it as a warm-up for the South Africa series where it does count as we try to make our way into the World Test Championship final. <laughs> Listen, the road... The road to the World Test Championship, it really begins now. We have to get that 2-0 monumental win in South Africa. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to go very conservative and go with pretty much the same squad that went to Australia. There'll obviously be one or two enforced changes most probably. But yeah, I think genuinely we'll go with 
though with who played in Australia and you would like to see, it kind of links back to what you said earlier though, Mash, the pool is so small. There's only so far we can even experiment in terms of calling up players um, that can kind of make warrant a case to come into the side. And the fact that West Indies play so little tests, if you were, for instance, uh, a Shamar Books and you were dropped from the, you were dropped from the side as an experiment to have a newcomer come in the side, you're essentially missing one, one fifth of your test calendar basically for the year. So, um, Again, I think the fact that we play so little test means we probably can't afford to experiment, however disappointing that may be to fans. But Mash, do you think, I know we said um, generally it'll be the same side. Do you see anyone, one or two changes, anyone coming in? Obviously, Jaden Seals has been ruled out, unfortunately. So that's going to be a massive one. You'd expect Anderson Phillip to sort of continue um, in the side as that bowler. Kimar Roach is, is uncertain, I think, at this point, whether he'll be 100% fit, hopefully. So you'd expect Mash to call up for maybe Shannon Gabriel. I know he's been included in Trinidad and Tobago mm-hmm. trial matches. Would you take Shannon to Zimbabwe? That's a really good shout, you know, and basically my short answer is yes. And the joke is I uh, anybody who, who follows us will know that I had pretty much indicated that I thought Shannon's test career might be dumb just because I didn't see how he would get back into uh, the pecking order, given that Seals is there, Alzari Joseph has found his form in Red Bull cricket. Obviously, Kimar is a lock. Jason Holder is a lock. So I just didn't see how um, uh, Shannon could make his way back in. But we just saw Shannon have a very good Super 50. Yes, that's white ball cricket, but that tends to augur well for Shannon Gabriel. And the reality is, Santoki, if we are using Zimbabwe to get ready for South Africa, the South African pitches will be much spicier and you're going to want the raw pace of Shannon Gabriel. There are very few bowlers in the region that can actually touch Shannon Gabriel's pace. Maybe Alzari Joseph at, on top, top prime form, but really it's it's Shannon or bust. So I wouldn't be surprised to see us be even more conservative and recall 34-year-old Shannon Gabriel uh, back to the test side. <laughs> um, but, the, but the reality is, Santoki, it's the injuries to the bowlers that will we'll see the changes. Um because obviously, remember, Marquino Mindley got called up and then immediately went down with an injury, didn't even play in the second test due to injury. So I expect to see a change in the bowling configuration. And also, Santoki, I'd like to think that someone like a good Moti is going to get a pick. Because, <laughs> Santoki, they're not going to go to Zimbabwe and South Africa with Roston Chase as a specialist spinner. Surely not. No, no, surely, surely not. So I'm expecting to see someone like a good Akesh Moti get a pick, even a Rakeem Cornwall. They may go in with two spinners in one particular match. Even Rakeem might get a pick again. But it's it's the batters, Santoki, where... Let me put this back to you then. This is our batting lineup when everyone is fit. Um, Craig, Tej, Bonner, Jermaine Blackwood, Carl Mayers, Possibly Jason Holder at six and De Silva at seven. Let's just argue. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's that. Do you see anybody, if everyone's fit, batting wise? Do you really see? So as much as we can say something like a Brandon King, do you actually see anybody breaking through into the side to replace any of those players? No, I don't. I think the the lineup you said is the first choice lineup, and then if there was anyone coming into the side, it would be enforced, and it would be we would see that sort of recurring theme of Shamar Books getting called back in, maybe Devin Thomas again being called back in. And as well, Mash, it's funny because we laugh about Shannon Gabriel being 34, but we also forget with a lot of our batting lineup, and Kruma Bonner is 34 this month, Shamar Books is 34, Jermaine Blackwood's coming up to 32, Jason Holder's in his 30s as well. So it's weird because 
as much as we sort of see it as an inexperienced batting lineup, we sort of have this mentality. It is essentially an aging batting lineup. Or within the next two, three years, we're going to have to replace pretty much the whole of the middle order. So again, that sort of links back. I know we sound like a broken record again. Why someone like Brandon King, who's 28, hasn't been integrated into this side, bearing in mind his age as well. So that is also another big issue. But Mash, I think one thing's for sure, in Zimbabwe and South Africa, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Craig Brathwaite to lead the line for the runs, Mash, as captain. And there's also our, our sort of talisman with the bat. I know there'll be a lot of hype continuing with Tejan Ryan Chandapur, but it'd be understandable if Tejan Ryan Chandapur didn't find form because he's still making early inroads into his test career. So there's going to be a massive amount of pressure on Craig Brathwaite, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. Um, and we have to, like, again, salute Craig for his 2022. He most definitely led from the front. Um, looking back at that Australia series, I do think, as much as everyone's going to say, oh, but Bonner can't play high pace, I think people saw why Bonner is so crucial in 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 that batting lineup. Because, you again, you and I had said this long before. Remember we did that episode where we said that we can't wait to see Craig and Tej and Bonner just soak up the ball for the whole days. And the reality is we lost Bonner. And I'm not saying that would have meant we would have won any matches. Of course not. But you cannot understate the importance of having three batters right at the top whose first priority is let me just sit there and soak up the balls for as long as I possibly can. Um, and what tended to happen in Australia was once Craig and Tej were out, it was pretty much, what, curtains from there on in, in essence. So... So we can't under we can't understate the importance of someone like Craig at the top, and hopefully Bonner should have recovered from his concussion to then take his place back in at number number three uh, moving forward, Santoki. But and um, I, think, Santoki, I think it's also I think it's also just one final point on Zimbabwe too. I think also it's important not to underestimate Zimbabwe because this is their first test in nearly two years, so they're going to have a very very vocal home crowd. You know, they got players such as Sikander Raza. We know what they can do. Gary Balance, the former England player, is going to be back and probably playing in the test. So it would be easy for West Indies, you know, and West Indies fans to underestimate Zimbabwe. But, you know, they're going to be very, very tough opposition. So our batsmen will need to be on top form. Yeah, most definitely. I, I, would, I would expect us to win one test. I am not 100% certain that we'll win two. Um, but I, listen, I'm, I'm expecting Zim... Zim we, Yes, and this is the reality again, so the, the ridiculous nature of the global game. How can this be Zimbabwe's first test in, in so long? Much less, much less against a full member. Like it's, 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 I mean, they're a full member. What am I talking about? But you know what I mean in terms of one of the more established. Like it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's weird, Santoki, because in a roundabout way, despite us being West, Ind West Indians and wanting us to win, I actually hope Zimbabwe do well as at the same time, just to almost show up how ridiculous it is that they don't even get to play um, that much, that much test cricket. Obviously, I still want to beat them, but I just think, <laughs> I, 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 I still, I do think it's important in the global sense of the game that they are very competitive um, in the series as well to kind of show up some of the kind of dunderhead decision-making that goes on um, in, in the world game. But listen, Santoki, let's take another quick break and then let's, let's wrap up the, the rest of this month. Hi, I'm Nikesh Raghani, commentator and host of the India on 99.94 podcast. Several times each week, my co-host Sarah Waris and I will be bringing you the very best in Indian cricket chat, whether we're discussing the legend of Julan Goswami 
Mikhail Rahul's strike rate, the men's T20 death bowling woes, or the latest controversy involving the BCCI, we've got you covered. You can listen and subscribe via your usual podcast provider. Just search for India on 99.94. You can watch us via YouTube and you can download the 99.94 app. If you love Indian cricket, then join our conversation. So, as I'm talking, the, the last thing, I mean, this kind of segues from, from this month into next month um, at the same time. We actually have quite a lot of women's cricket on the, uh, on the horizon. In, in the immediate horizon, we've got the, the West Indies under-19 women's team playing in the World Cup um, in South Africa, which literally starts this week. Um, they're in a group with Indonesia, Ireland, and New Zealand, uh, which then feeds. We have to end in the top three out of four in that group to then get into the Super Six stage. Uh, so that's at the beginning of this month. And then near the end of the month, we'll start to see the senior team, the West Indies women's senior team, gather together to also go out to South Africa for the T20 World Cup. Now, Santoki, I'm just going to say the following, right? The West Indies on the 19 women's team I mean, it's, it, they've basically got together in the last six months, right? No cricket during the pandemic. They've got together in the last six months. Um, they have, in those last six months, they've lost a series 4-1 to the United States. Um, they've lost to India A, lost to India B, lost to Sri Lanka, lost twice to New Zealand. None of those things is meant to, to cost them. That's not my point. It's more, if anything, it kind of, again, points to like the disparity in kind of... Um, structures and infrastructure and, and so on and so forth. Even when you like read the statements or press releases from like the lead selector, um, Anne Brown and the head coach, Steve Liebert and Crick West Indies, everyone kind of acknowledges, listen, this is brand new in essence. We've, we're starting almost from scratch with all of this. We know both, both of us have told everyone that obviously the Crick West Indies Academy for the most talented young women, they get their cohort starting later this year. And the reason why I say all this, Santoki, is it's would it be fair to say that they go into this tournament with really and truly no major expectations and it's, it's more just used as a tournament to assess, well, where are they at more than anything else? Yeah, I think we've, we've, uh, it could be argued with both teams at the moment is to base them on results, results orientated, results would be unfair just because of the lack of resources and game time. As you said, with the under-19s, it's essentially a group that's come together now and basically every match is just to see sort of what players can make, make the step up and sort of see see how performances can fit. I think, as I said, um, I think it'd be unfair to base them on results just because of the, the context of their situation. With the senior women's side, it has been a massive concern. Obviously, the England tour to West Indies was horrendous in terms of results and that's just continuing the poor form you there's no real one culprit to blame I think with West Indies cricket if you think the men, the men's senior side is the pinnacle of a cricket organization in terms of what brings in the money and the fans and so if you look at it that way the fact we the men's regional season we went two years without playing a four-day game shows you just how bad the resources are in the West Indies at the moment so unfortunate as it is you would expect with the women's game Luckily for the for, for the people who are on West Indies on 99.94. <laughs> Look at me across two screens. <laughs> now, luckily, 
For those of you on West Indies on 99.94, you've never, ever come across this before where Santoki's Wi-Fi just disappears out of nowhere. But thankfully, thankfully for all of you lot, I'm so used to this that I'm now seamlessly going to carry <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> gotta start the year consistently, you know. <laughs> but yeah, let me just let me just let me just try and effortlessly continue. So I said when when the men's when the men's game has so little resources in terms of having no regional season for two years, unfortunately, what can you expect to be investing into the women's game? And it's a it's a massive problem for West Indies cricket. No matter who you hire, Courtney Walsh's head coach, there's only so much they can do. And Mash at least in the short term, I don't see much improving in terms of the investment and resources given to the women's game. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird one. And um, big up, big up those who are live with us right now on YouTube. We see you in the comments. And the reason why I say that, Santoki, is one of the people in the comments right now, I hope he doesn't mind us shouting him out, is um, Medvis Jackson. Now, Medvis hasn't just used his government name, but, but um, Medvis, Medvis hasn't put the point in the comments, but I do want to talk about something he raised to us um, the other day on, on our handles. And he spoke about how Cricket West Indies have to be more, um, what's the word I want to use here? They like how basically, I guess I'm saying this, Santoki, how long can we keep blaming resources or, is that just the reality? I think you tweeted something up today from, from our handle where Brian Lara had said, listen, it is what it is. The infrastructure is poor. So how can we refine the talent? But Medvis's point to us was, well, we have to find a way. We have to find a way to, to traverse through the economic in- instability, open up new paradigms within the market and find a way to fund our cricket and make commercial gains. This isn't a, this podcast isn't even supposed to be about that, but I feel like if we're going to talk about women's cricket and the, I guess they're going to suffer even more than the men's cricket because of the kind of global inequality in terms of sports in general when it comes to men's and women's cricket. How do we, how do we get past that, Santoki? Can we get past that? In fact, for those watching live, Medvis's comment is up on the screen now. There's a global through line between general political and economic instability and cricket performance. Uh, the Caribbean economic forecast is bleak. Let me let you take that one on, Santoki. Yeah, I think it, it sort of links. Um, our resources uh, have been mirrored by sort of what we see politically and financially in the Caribbean. For instance, Sandals Tourism Resort lost a lot of money during the pandemic because obviously there were no tourists, which led to them dropping out as a sponsor. So that um, automatically, that affect politically and sort of nationally across islands affected the investment in West Indies cricket. So it's it's a... As you said, it's a tough one. It probably deserves a whole episode in and of itself, Mash. But I think if we're going to blame it, blame it 100% on resources, it means we're fighting a losing cause because West Indies and the Caribbean will never have enough resources ever to compete with, you know, um, in cricket in terms of the likes of in India or in England. So if we're always going to go down the argument, well, we don't have enough resources, we can't compete, then we're never going to be able to compete. So this is where it comes into sort of thinking outside the box. What can we do to sort of, put West Indies not even on an even level, but just being able to compete. Because at the moment, in football in terms, you've got Premier League sides, India, England, Australia. West Indies are essentially a League One, League Two, so Division Three, Division Four side in terms of resources, players available, finances. So it's just a matter of how do we think outside the box? What ideas can we have to at least try and make us a competitive team across women's and men's game? And that's going to be something, you know, which a lot of stakeholders and think tanks need to come together 
and resolve. But as we've seen, Mash, with West Indies cricket, the problem is generally unity is not our strength. It's, it tends to be a divided, a divided thing. So when we've got so similar to what we talked about with players, when we've got such a small pool of people in the region who are at the helm of, you know, um, regional boards and stakeholders, if they're not coming together, we're always going to be fighting a, league, uh, a losing battle. I'm going to end this episode, Tantoki, with an ECW reference. Um, <laughs> um, you need I to clarify what that is. <laughs> so, yeah, for those who don't know ECW, it's a, a former a former wrestling federation, extreme championship wrestling. Those are, there's a, There is a niche crossover between wrestling fans and cricket fans, so there's enough of you who will get this. But Paul Heyman, who used to run ECW, obviously Santoki knows what I'm talking about, once said about ECW, Santoki, that his, his kind of tagline that he ran ECW by was, because obviously compared to WCW and WWF now E at the time, ECW was effectively just a little indie bingo hall thing. But it got a cult following. And Paul Heyman's tagline was, it was all about accentuating the positives and hiding the negatives as best as you possibly can. And I just wonder, Santoki, based on what you just said there about resources, and we can always use it as an excuse, that's where I think I am critical. How do we, do we accentuate our positives enough, whether economically, whether resource-wise, et cetera, or will we forever just wallow in the fact that we have not, so therefore we can never bridge the divide. Like you said, though, Santoki, I think that's probably a, a, a podcast episode for another day. But um, how's that for how's that for a, uh, a synopsis? Yeah, I think I think that was a good analogy, Mash. But it's also important to remember that ECW went out of business <laughs> about two years after. You <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what that might reflect on the state of West Indies cricket. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think like you said, Mash, it's, it's all about you know accentuating the positives and sort of emphasising what strengths we do have in the region and maximising those those capabilities. And that's something I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot of as uh, we roll into Cricket West Indies elections in the coming months. So um, I think, yeah, it'll probably lead to another episode talking more in detail on this. But I think, Mash, from both of us here, that's another episode wrapped up. And we hope, you know, fans have found this interesting as to what's going to be happening in the region in the month of January. Most definitely. As ever, people, as we always say, stay locked in for some more content. Thank you. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at 994DM and at Carib Cricket. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket every day, your way. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. <laughs> 